G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. One of the biggest mistakes that we can ever make in life is to allow our circumstances, good or bad, to be the final arbiter of the life that we lead. Because if we allow our circumstances to rule our lives, we shall forever be like a forlorn cork bobbing around in the ocean. Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond. Great to be back with you again. Today on the program, we're going to be taking another look at your life from a different perspective. This is a tough one for me today because it doesn't matter who we are. Our circumstances influence us to a greater or lesser degree. When you lose a loved one, of course, you're going to mourn that loss. That's natural. Of course, when you get a promotion or a pay rise at work, you're going to feel like celebrating. When someone treats you badly, you'll be hurt. When someone treats you well, you'll be delighted. None of us is divorced from the day-to-day realities of our lives. And sometimes our circumstances are for us. Other times, they're against us. It's just the way it goes. Rudyard Kipling was a well-known writer, and one of his most famous poems is called If... We don't have time to read the whole poem, but it's all about doing the right thing irrespective of your circumstances. In fact, two lines of that poem are inscribed above the player's entrance to the centre court at Wimbledon. Those two lines are these. If you can meet triumph and disaster and treat those two impostors just the same. Interesting, isn't it? Kipling calls both triumph and disaster what they are, impostors. Now, Kipling wasn't a Christian, but he was the son of two Methodist ministers, and no doubt his parents' beliefs had a lot to do with the shaping of his philosophy on life. Think about it. When you have a triumph, you win a race, or you get a promotion, or you succeed in some way, how long does that last? In Australia, where I live, no sooner does a Prime Minister win an election than the press and the electorate are chasing after him or her with a pickaxe. It's so easy to be seduced by success that pretty soon you start believing your own propaganda. But success is, by and large, a fleeting thing. Even for those who amass great fame and great fortune, they often find themselves struggling in their lives, so much so that many of them end up taking their own lives. What is success really, other than a narcotic, an imposter? Jesus, when he was walking this planet, he drew massive crowds to his rallies, four, five thousand at a time. And in those days, that meant that whole towns and cities would all but close down as people flocked to hear him. They were amazed at his teaching. They, they marveled at his miracles. Jesus had rock star status across Israel. So, was he intoxicated by the adulation of the crowds? John chapter 2, verses 23 to 25. When he was in Jerusalem for the Passover festival, many people believed in his name because they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, would not entrust himself to any of them because he knew all people and needed no one to testify about him. For he himself knew what was in everyone. And just as well, because just a few chapters later, in the same gospel, chapter 6, verse 24 and verse 66, we read this. 
The Jews began to complain about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They were saying, hang on, isn't this Jesus the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I have come down from heaven? And because of this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. And then, of course, this, John chapter 19, verses 16 to 18. So they took Jesus. And carrying the cross by himself, he went out to a place that is called the place of the skull, which in Hebrew is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, with Jesus between them. There is such a fine line, isn't there, between success and failure. Yet we seem to become so swept up by success when the adulation of the crowd is is really just a fleeting apparition. And so overcome by failure, when failure is, after all, one of the most common occurrences in life. We have this fairy floss, sugary expectation that our lives should always be fine, with never a cloud in the sky, let alone a howling storm. It's a complete fantasy, yet we somehow cling to it like nothing else. We milk it when it's going our way, and we beat ourselves up when it's going the other way. You have to ask yourself, what's the matter with us? when we let our emotions swing up and down based on a fabrication like that. I mean, really? And if the truth be known, some of our great so-called failures can, in point of fact, be the greatest time of growth and learning and development of our character that we'll ever experience. I mean, look at Jesus. When he was hanging there, nailed to that cross, crying out, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Didn't Jesus look like the biggest failure in all of history? Yet the moment of his death was in fact the greatest triumph of all time. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 to 15. When he forgave us all our trespasses, erasing the record that stood against us with its legal demands, he set this aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. See, if we believe that God is, that he exists, that he rewards those who seek him, if we make Christ the foundation stone of our lives, if we start making our love for God and those around us, our decision-making litmus test, then little by little, circumstances matter less and less. When I told people that I was writing a book called Your Road to a Stunning Life, Many of them immediately leapt to the false conclusion that it was just another one of those prosperity doctrine, get-rich-quick-under-God books. But that's not what God promises. What, what he promises us is this, John chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus said, I, I've said this to you, so that in me you may have peace. For in this world you are going to face persecution. But take courage, for I have overcome the world. See, what Jesus promises us is that in the middle of the worst times in our lives, we can have peace, we can have courage. What Jesus promises us is his blessing, despite and irrespective of our circumstances, good or bad. And that's the real thing. It's not an imposter. So what circumstances are you going through, the good or the bad or the ugly, that are causing you to believe in them rather than in God? If you're riding the crest of a wave, have you started to forget the God who blessed you and put you there. When, when you've eaten your fill and you've built your houses and you live in them and when your herds and flocks have multiplied and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, 
Don't exalt yourself, forgetting the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the terrible and great wilderness, an arid wasteland with poisonous snakes and scorpions. God made the water flow for you from the flint rock and fed you in the wilderness with manna that your ancestors didn't know to humble you and to test you and in the end to do you good. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 12 to 16. And if you're down in a dark valley, what do you believe? The awfulness of your circumstances? Or do you believe in the might and the power and the love and the presence of your God? For even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life. Psalm 23, verses 4 to 6. The overriding reality of your life is not your current set of circumstances, good or bad, because they come and go. The overriding reality of your life is your God who poured his love out for you through Jesus Christ, his Son. So which one of those do you choose to believe in? Your circumstances or your God? Because your choice is going to make a huge difference to the life that you end up living. with the power to transform your life, to help you be all that God made you to be. And that's what the Fresh Daily Devotional is all about. It's completely free and I'd love to send it to you. Each day you'll receive a life-changing scripture together with some words of inspiration, hope and encouragement from me delivered right to your inbox where you can choose to read, listen or watch the daily video. It's completely up to you. Remember, God's Word is the power to change and it's fresh for you each day. You can subscribe to receive your free daily devotional at freshdevotional.org or give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415 to request the printed devotional if that works better for you. Again, that's freshdevotional.org or 1-300-722-415. My prayer is that your heart will be touched and transformed as you draw ever closer to Jesus through the power of His Word. I'm Bernie Diamond. Catch you again, same time tomorrow, with a different perspective. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.